Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ghost Spider Groupies, the podcast dedicated to Gwen Stacy of Earth-65, also known as Spider-Gwen and Ghost Spider, where we review her comics, discuss news, and give our opinions about all things Gwen-65. I'm Pax. And I'm Abigail. So for today's Week Wind update, we actually have a little bit from Spider-Gwen Shadow Clones. So first off, uh, we actually got an unlettered preview for Spider-Gwen Shadow Clones number one, featuring uh, Keizama on art. And of course, this is the book written by Emily Kim that's coming out next month. Yeah. Um, so this is this is the next new big Gwen thing um, in the world of comics. So we've been covering a lot of smaller stuff, but this is the... This is the big one we're, we're anticipating now. And uh, I really like the art in the preview. I can't super tell what the vibe is, but but the art looks fantastic. Like, it's it's so good. I'm very pleased. And it's very... It's a nice mix of stylized and quite detailed, honestly, art. Yeah, and the uh, colors are really spot on for Earth-65 because we also got a little bit of news about who the colorist is. And uh, yeah, the colorist's name is Triona Tree Farrell. Honestly, I think this is probably the best that Gwen and Earth-65 have looked since um, Gwen versus Carnage, honestly. So I'm, I'm feeling very good about this run. Yeah, so these preview pages, it shows, you know, the usual, you know, Gwen stopping a robbery and then all of a sudden, you know, danger's afoot. Her spider sense leads her to her Dr. Octagwen clone. Yes. So we, we we will get a look at the villains within the first few pages here, it seems. Um, Dr. Octagwen looks very good, by the way. They've, they've done the arms in such a way where she's, like, managing to take up a whole splash page and it looks very fun. I am I'm very stoked for this, I'm not going to lie. I was very apprehensive about the Timmy Seeley stuff. I, I am not in the same way for this. Honestly, I thought that they were going to grant Tim Seeley his sequel like he wanted to. No, and honestly, Tim Seeley, he really isn't meant for Gwen, I don't think, in the long term. Like, I, I really feel like he has his own sort of stuff that he wants to do, probably beyond her. Plus, this isn't a multiverse uh, arc. This is She's strictly on Earth-65. Yeah. Well, technically, Gwenverse, she was on Earth-65, albeit distorted. Right. Um, it does feel like this is going to have an actual quite a bit of Earth-65 action looking at this. I, I'm really hoping they don't pull her out to go to a, a different alternate place. Like, she can actually stay in Earth. And the thing is, I want to I I preface this, right? The standard Spider-Gwen runs, like the big ones, the Maguire, the Latour stuff, right? They always take Gwen out and she does alternate universe stuff. That's fine. That's good. I love the comics for that. However, it's specifically the fact that all of the comics since the end of the Maguire Spider-Gwen run have been Gwen in Earth-616 or Gwen in the Spider-Verse or Gwen on an alternate version of her home Earth, which isn't the same, have been just that is that has been the standard. And we get like a couple of pages in Earth-65, like splished and splashed here and there. Like we got that one edge of the Spider-Verse issue. And this kind of i want i want her to deal with the crisis that's actually on normal earth 65 in her home city you know that would make me much happier i think at this point and what confused me on these preview pages is somehow doc ock set off her spider sense when that really shouldn't be possible because it's alerting herself to herself because in 616 uh, neither the symbiote nor ben and kane set off peter's spider sense because well the symbiote it's an extension of himself, and his spider sense thinks that 
uh, Ben and Kane are him because they are him. Right. Yeah. Um, sorry, run that back again. Dr. Octopus somehow set off Gwen's spider sense when that shouldn't be possible because she's a clone of herself. Oh, right. Well, we don't know what kind of clone that she is. And I'm of the opinion that unless it's like a symbiote, the spider sense is kind of loosey-goosey. It can be whatever the writer it wants to be because it, it, there is no like the hard and fast is no hard and fast rule for it yeah i guess it could just be a little oversight yeah uh honestly i i i, I think it's the kind of thing that like it's the kind of thing where trying if so long as the uh internal logic of the story itself remains consistent um like let's say if she like then in the next issue didn't sense octagon when she should have then I would get it, but they haven't done that. So at least not yet anyway. So yeah. I'm 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 reasonably confident. Yeah. And that leads into our solicit for issue number two, which is due for release on April 5th. So it says, Enter Sand Gwen. Spider Gwen meets the next clone version of herself, and this time it's a combination of her and Sandman. What do these clones want with her, though? Luckily, with the help of Reed Richards, Gwen is about to get some answers. So, yeah, Emily Kim did her homework that Reed Richards exists. Yes, that, which is really exciting. I, I read 65, severely underutilized character from Earth 65. That's very, very different to yeah. his his 616 counterpart. And and yeah, no, I'm, I'm very pumped. I'm very good. Yeah, the last time that we saw Reed was at the end of Party People when Gwen was leaving her voicemail to her loved ones. Yeah. But doesn't bringing in Reed imply that these clones are created by science? Um... Maybe, uh, but Reed honestly can be brought in for any issue. Like, I feel like he's intelligent enough that any issue, whether it be like, I feel like he could do mystical if he if he really wanted to, you know. The closest thing to mystical was when she uh, swapped minds with uh, Wolverine, Laura. But you know, technically, Red Hornet's machine, their body swap is through science. Yeah, it was. So, yeah, it may seem magical to other people, but in reality, no, Red Hornet's machine was all science. I mean, maybe. All right, I, I guess I do, we're going to have to see. I really, the term Shadow Clones, to me, doesn't make me think that it's going to be a, a jackal invention, right? Basically, that's all I was sort of getting at. But if you wanted to break down Shadow Clones, you know, the shadow could also mean, you know, the negative aspects of Gwen. Yeah. Even... um. When I was reading my comics on the week of, I think it was uh, January uh, 16th or the 9th, I can't remember it yet, there was an advertisement uh, for Shadow Clones in all of the books that I read, and it and the byline was, Ghost Spider versus her very own Sinister Six, but what secrets do they hold? So... That means there's a secret sixth member that we don't know of, presumably the one who's cloning Gwen. Yeah, I'm I'm I I I get the impression they're holding on to um like like what they did with um Gwenverse, right? Where they held on to Night Gwen. I guess they didn't actually. No, they announced Night Gwen up front. What am I saying? Yeah, they announced that she was gonna be on Gwen's side, but when we saw issue number one 
she's actually one of the villains of the event until the end of issue number four. Yeah. Yeah, that really threw people, I think. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm not sure what to expect, really, from this exactly, but I'm I'm feeling very optimistic. I feel like there's a nice amount of room for this creative team to make a good Gwen story. Um, and also, I feel like Tim Seeley was a very loaded writer to attach to Gwen, and it, a Gwen-verse definitely seemed a little bit more gimmicky in its sort of titling and stuff. Whereas if you look at Emily Kim, she's an up and coming because uh, she only has Silk and Tiger Division to her name. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, like, you know, uh, we, there's, there's maybe a bit more weighted in this creative team's favor in terms of that they'll, they'll, they'll get to, they'll want, I don't know. I don't want to disparage Gwen first too much because I really, I don't have any issue with it. I think it's fine. I think it's quite good. But yeah, no, I think this one has some really promising stuff to come from it. It's nice also that Gwen is being written by a woman. I think I said this in the last episode, but I'm, I'm going to say it again. It, it, it is it is ideal. Yeah, I've always said that um, preferably I want Gwen to be handled by a lady writer or Clay McLeod Chapman. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't complain if Clay McLeod Chapman was writing. Is that me pushing the agenda again? Yeah, no, it is. 100%. Uh... Yeah, your Clay McLeod Chapman Gwen agenda is... It, it never sleeps. Well, it could happen. It could. But should it happen? Is another question. Oh, maybe if one of the one-shots that he's doing for Death of Venomverse or whatever Summer of Symbiote event is also part of the season. If he wants to use Gwen, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it would be cool, but I don't know if he would, you know... I, I mean, I think he'd just be happy if you got to write Andy again, honestly. Oh, if it's um, horror-themed, there I go again, the horror-themed ghost spider agenda, mm -hmm. then it could happen. Yeah, it could, it could happen. There is a possibility it could happen. It is a thing which it could exist. Yeah, it depends on what he wants to pitch, though. Yeah, now we're going to find out. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, Shadow Clones number one is actually going to be released in a few weeks, March 1st. Which is exciting stuff. And um, even the is, is the solicit for issue number two is already out as well. So we're like, it's it's definitely coming out. It's definitely happening now. So should we share tinfoil hat theories on who we think the secret six member is, i.e. the cloner? I hope it's not another Gwen. No, I feel like that's too much of a cheat. Also, including the Jackal would be too much of a cheat. Just like what Tim Seeley said, he was expecting us to expect Finale to be a Gwen. It's too easy. I'd like to see Finale, like another Finale. Um... Like a Finale who didn't learn from her mistakes? Yeah, something like that. I think it only implied that there was one Finale. Yeah. Or finale from like earlier in her timeline before she dies, like a like an alternate timeline finale. Well, yeah, Tim Seeley did say that you know finale's been uh, draining the life of her followers for a long time now. Yeah, all of her concerts were just fronts to uh, drain their life. Yeah, but I have a feeling because uh, of the intensive amount of homework that has to be done. I think it's Cindy 65. 
I I think I would really enjoy that if it was Cindy 65. Um, because that would be so much of a deep cut because going back all the way to the Latour run, I'm not sure if I remember it correctly word for word, but something about how uh, Cindy 65 has studied Gwen for years. Yeah. And she was the one, I think when they were facing off in her lab, uh, she said that she was the one who made her. So what if this is taking it literally? I mean, I see the vision. Um, I just, I, I, I would really like that to be the case. I don't know if it will be the case, but I would really enjoy that if it were the case. Um, 100%. Yeah, because she would somehow have to get out of S.H.I.E.L.D. maximum security. Yes. Or if she just has, uh, you know, how prisoners have, uh, you know, internet privileges once a week. Mm-hmm. So it's like if she's got privileges, just an hour to go do whatever she wants for a week. I think that's enough time. Yeah, no, uh, I think that she could get out. of. There's loads of ways. If a writer wanted to use Cindy 65, they could use her. I, I don't think they'd have any issues using her i just i think that like a writer finding out about something from that run from that long ago and deciding to use it um it, i mean it's just it's 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 not a this not doesn't always happen you know like it's yeah. a, it's a deep cut you know but i feel like there could be a push for cindy 65 because uh uh last week when i was at my lcs uh yeah, I just happened to spot, remember that little Golden Books, Ghost Spider book that's for preschoolers? Yes. Yeah, so I skimmed through it, and one of the villains that it showed was Cindy65. Oh, right. Wow. Curiously, the only villain that wasn't shown there was Matt Murdock. They only used Lizard, Rhino, Cindy65, and Harry as the Goblin. It's really interesting. And they never even mentioned Peter's death because, come on, you can't really handle um, the death of your best friend to preschoolers. No, it, it's a it's a tough one. That's a tough subject. Yeah, so it just said that um, Gwen fought the lizard to protect the city. She didn't not do that, um, I suppose. Um, yeah. But you know, this is just a TLDR for preschoolers. It is. Um... I don't know if it would get my full endorsement, but it sounds fine. Well, whatever uh, whatever it takes to get Gwen introduced to the young peoples. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. Anyway, I think... Yeah, we're already clocking in at like 19 minutes for week one update. Yeah, we don't. We don't need any more on those two things. So I'm, I'm going to segue as in. Um, we're reading something new this week. Um... We're reading from Spider-Verse Unlimited, which is on the Marvel Unlimited, like, comic, digital comics platform. If you don't know what this is, I'm going to explain it like you don't know what it is. It is a made-for-mobile scrolling digital comic, um, so you can't go to your local comic store and buy it, quite tragically. Um, you scroll through it as if you would, like, Webtoons, which is um, a similar thing, and you... Um, obviously not all of the comics Marvel Unlimited are this way, but th- these ones have been made for Marvel Unlimited in this way. Um, and the Spider-Verse Unlimited series has been going for a while. It's had several installments, several arcs, other creatives all attached to it. And, and crucially, 
uh, people who were not Spider-Gwen. So we hadn't been talking about it as much as we could have been. Uh, we may have touched on it in a couple of other Week Gwen updates. Um, but for the first time, um, Spider-Gwen has been the uh, main character in, in, in a Spider-Gwen-specific series that lasted for four installments of Spider-Verse Unlimited. So five. Five, five. That did not feel like five. they're very quick. They're very brief. This is a brief thing. Um, it went from issues thirty-two to thirty-six. Um, it was written by Jay Holtham, with art by Nathan Stockman and colors by Pete Pantazis. No, how do I say that? Pete Pantazis. Pete Pantazis. That's how I say it. Um, and um, it's uh, yeah, it's all out now. We didn't want to do it issue by issue, like it's so short so um we've waited for it to all come out uh, and we can now review it all at once we're gonna um we're gonna get into it now yeah so we begin halfway through opening a portal to earth 616 to go to her classes at empire state university on that reality a cop shouts for gwen's attention the bodega bandit is back and has asked for gwen personally before releasing a hostage she drops any caution that she might have had and quickly webs him up before he can talk so she can get to class as soon as possible. Gwen rushes about on Earth 616's New York, reflecting on how much she doesn't enjoy the commute, before noticing missing person posters for the 616 version of the civilian that she rescued on Earth 65, Madison. She investigates the same bodega on 616 only to find it's abandoned, and the 616 version of the bodega bandit lurking there. He gloats that he is Madison hostage, still before disappearing like a Mysterio illusion. On Earth-65, Gwen seeks out her bodega bandit and webs him up immediately. He seems set to explain everything before the bodega bandit from Earth-616 materializes a few meters away. He grabs his Earth-65 counterpart while still remaining intangible to Gwen, causing her to inadvertently punch Bandit-65, who is thrown across the bodega. Bandit 616 turns to attack Gwen with elongated claw-like fingers, but before he can strike, Bandit 65 pulls Gwen away and through the bodega freezer. They exit the freezer into another door, ending up in a vast expanse of bodega aisles called the Bodega Beyond, the home of the Bodega Bandits. He explains that there is an infinite possibility of Bodega Bandits, each uniquely tied to their own universe where they exist to highlight the value of Bodegas and the unpredictability of city life. The Bodega Bandit of 616 has gone rogue, using his powers for villainy. Recognizing the Bodega Cat from Earth-65 having wandered into the Bodega Beyond, Gwen follows it, convinced it will lead her to where Madison is being held hostage. It does, revealing Bandit 616 to have transformed into a hulking form. He monologues about his fury at the city for not treating Bodega seriously and with respect, despite his best efforts, and how it's made him bitter and empowered to break the rules to travel between universes. He vows to show them fear as they haven't shown the love they should have to the Bodega community. They fight briefly, but Gwen is able to throw him back through the portal into the bodega beyond, where his bodega bandit counterparts greet him with love by all group hugging him before he can get up and escape. Bodega Bandit 65 and Gwen part on good terms, with Gwen finding a renewed appreciation for her ability to spend time in more than one city. And this has been a tale of two cities. Yeah, uh, so um, we, we've we've got some changes to uh or at least attempts to change the 
the way the Bodega Bandit works in this, maybe? A little bit? But first off, is this canon? We don't know. Um, I mean, I want to say that the people writing this would like it to be canon, right? Is is that a fair... Yeah. yeah, because previous arcs have mentioned the events of the mainstream comics. Yeah, I, I feel like the way they wrote this was with a view to canonicity. Um, I, I think my only issue here is that I, I don't... I don't know if this is true to the spirit of the Bodega Bandit, you know? I don't... Um, yeah. Because yeah, he's just, you know, um, regular Bodega Bandit, as we know, is just... Um, what's the term I'm going to use here? A plain Jane? Like, you know, he's just a nuisance to Gwen. You know, he, uh, he has to be stopped so Gwen can go off and save the world after she's done dealing with him. Yeah, no, I, I think Bodega Bandit's distinctly non-superpoweredness, non non-threatening nature was always there to sort of highlight like Earth 65 and also like he he was he was never the main like he, the joke is that he never is an arch nemesis, right? No, He's always no. despite his best protests to call himself her arch nemesis. Yeah. Like like he's he, he he's always been like a very light like and when he appears typically it it's to um highlight usually his own tragic nature or or another villain i one of the things that sticks out to me here is like this 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 idea that like the bodega bandit has value like in what he's doing um has value for the bodegas like by being around the bodega bandit like makes people appreciate their bodega community and um and and the unpredictability of city life but but honestly i i don't know if that's the takeaway from any of the bodega bandit stuff that we've read in all of it he is antisocial. when he is doing bodega bandit stuff it's always antisocial and it's always presented as a like almost like a kleptomaniac like it's yeah. a pro it's a problem and he's trying to beat it and um it's not productive for him or the bodegas that he's robbing um and it's and and one of the things the maguire era highlighted was him trying to stop and him getting hurt and you know like him his recovery and gwen working with him on it um at no point were they like, actually, your your banditry is good for the bodega. Like none of these bodega like owners are like, thank you, bandit. Like none of them are like that. Whenever he shows up, right, it's 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 uh it's it, it's a it's it's a like a it's almost like he's relapsing, right? Like so. Yeah. Um, well, if yeah. you remember during the Gwenum arc, uh, he uh, cowered to a. Uh, you know, an angry Gwenum that he didn't even want to be the Bodega Bandit in the first place because his first shoplifting, he just found it a thrill and then some time later he just couldn't stop. Yeah. Like and 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 there's been other things. Uh there was there was once a line from a like a bodega store owner who, who like acknowledged that uh he has wealthy family who are paying essentially for uh 
for him to be able to do this without much repercussions. So of course he doesn't get arrested or shot or anything, and um, and 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 they they they've they've done nothing with any of that, and they've treated it as if he is some kind of essential good to the fabric of the universe for one. And and I just I think it's a complete misfire um, because the Bodega Bandit is endearing, but the takeaway from that isn't that like he should be enabled um and making him mystical right like taking him from like i don't know like you said like a plain jane right like taking him from being like an ordinary person um to somebody who could be a potential threat and i don't know it like it just it doesn't i I also i want to put this out bodegas are like highly localized to a specific part of north america we do not have bodegas here in the united kingdom like i've never been to a bodega and the examples of what it thinks bodegas are like in history that it gives and it, because it has this whole bit about the value of bodegas that like, bodegas are a, a are a very specific thing in a specific part of the world they're not they're like a very new york thing right like i it's not just me like this isn't no, there was one across the street from my campus when I was living in residence my first year of college. Oh, well, there you go then. I suppose it's a thing in Canada as well. Like, I, I mean, it's not an unheard of thing. And like, don't get me wrong. Like, if I, if I ever see a bodega when I'm in New York, I'm going to be like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go visit that bodega. I'm going to see what all the fuss is about um, and, and maybe tell them that having cats around sandwiches probably isn't very hygienic, Wait. but it's cute. <laughs> Wait, um, is the Bodega Cat supposed to be a reference to the Miles Morales game when he's carrying around Bodega Cat? Well, I was thinking about it because it's in Miles Morales. It's in, um, it's in Homecoming. Is it possible that Bodega store owners just have a lot of Bodega Cats? Is that a thing? That I that I or or is that just something which has come about as a trope within Spidey fiction? I I don't know. Um, and it's just like to try and draw profound meaning from the Bodega Bandit in this way feels like a misfire because right they don't for one they don't have enough panel space to make this stick. They 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 don't. I I I'm reading it and 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 I'm like they have just shoved in. So much lore, not just into Spider Gwen books, but into the fabric of the Marvel multiverse. Yeah. The Bodega Beyond could be this 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 whole world breaking thing, and you wouldn't you wouldn't know it because they don't establish limits on it. Um, if somebody goes evil, they they can obtain a uh, uh, an like a tremendous amount of power like the 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 kind of like magic system it operates around where like the freezers are portals but and and it doesn't clarify like is a bodega bandits tied to a specific bodega or a specific universe so can they enter multiple bodegas because i and i was thinking about it's like the bodega bandit was seen in madripoor on earth 65 like there was a madriporian like bodega bandit is is that one yeah and uh, yeah gwen lamented that oh great Majapur has one too yeah and there's also there's a she bodega bandit so we know yeah. on earth 65 there are three bodega bandits right now are those three limited to the bodegas they were seen in because also i think bodega bandit 65 like the standard one that we see have seen the most of i am sure he has robbed more than one bodega like i am certain of that so so he cannot be tied to just the one so does that mean that like if they wanted to they could team up 
would they be allowed like and they're not like like they they could do some fun scenarios with this if they did want to but they haven't they didn't they just they just glossed right through all of it oh well remember during the uh, predators arc there was this scene where um the earth eight kids were playing family feud against the network of bodega bandits oh my goodness yes you know what honestly right in my opinion the the band the bandit bodega concept like having an alternate bodega bandit has been done better already in just about every other spider gwen piece of media outside of this one that is actually trying to do the bodega bandit right because i i this other bodega bandit that they introduce in this does it does not make sense to me. Like his motivation is so silly. The bodega that he was what he was he was trying to rob from goes bust, and he blames the world, and he uses the world's fear of their bodega community to become a supervillain who could do creepy things with his fingers and 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 he oh the other thing that got me right he becomes evil when he grows his hair out that was the visual cue him growing his hair out. so we've got like this bodega bandit with an excellent like head of flowing red hair like and you're like damn dude and he's just like evil and and he's evil because he has like like i thought that like just just he should be able to grow his i'd, I'd like growing your hair out doesn't make you evil i i took that one personally frankly that one that one was a bit close to home to me for me um, but um, I I I was at this tangent. But like he's just as a villain, he's so silly. And the thing is, Bode- the Bodega Bandit is silly, right? And I appreciate this is a comic book, and and I do not think that writers should be beholden to previous continuity. I'm trying to learn that right and take it to heart. But this was a misfire. This 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 like in it in it's trying to extract profound meaning out of something that already kind of had some kind of profound meaning in there um, without needing to do this um, sort of mis- misstepped. You could have done fun stuff with alternate Bodega Bandits. You could have done all... You did not need the Bodega Beyond. You did not need the drawing on the spirit of the Bodegas within the fabric of the universe. All of that is superfluous and all of it took up far too much panel time. Being a Bodega Bandit doesn't mean that you have to be magic. And, and, and I just... I I re- I feel really strongly that the Bodega Bandit could be a really interesting character that you could give a full arc of comics to, and they would be pretty good Spider Gwen comics, and um, and and have him go through an arc where he learns to appreciate his community. Because I liked that, right? Like I liked understanding Bodegas as an aspect of community and city life that it should be appreciated, and we should be less fearful of each other as human beings and strangers in the street and whatever. Like I appreciated all of that, but I feel like you could have communicated that differently, like and in a way where you know, like the Bodega Bandit could become something else. Like he could become the Bodega. I don't know, like defender or something and 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 he could go on some kind of journey to do that but no he can't anymore because he's magic and he's got to be the bodega bandit forever because it will collapse the fabric of of the bodega beyond or something i don't know like like and and personally if i was writing spider gwen comics right now and had like like my own little little like for instance if i was about to write a spider gwen miniseries like shadow clones i would gloss right past this i would still have the bodega bandit in my comic book i would not acknowledge any of this because it is so fundamentally 
broken in its approach to the bodega bandit that it just does not work it does if if you want to keep having the bodega bandit show up in a way that will make sense if you think about it for more than 10 seconds um never mind the fact that he's a dude who puts on a costume and has a name just to rob a bodega if you want all of it to make sense in your brain in a way that doesn't make you go on long podcast rants then then it it just it has to be a return to form and and even then like maguire did so much stuff with the bodega bandit that was left unfinished that they could have picked up from that they could have read and gone yeah we're gonna do something with that and instead the concern at the end of party people is find a hamster yeah they have the hamster like they don't acknowledge the hamster like it feels like somebody read like a synopsis of Spider-Gwen. Like they read the Spider-Gwen wiki entry that it does not feel like this person has grasped the spirit of what an Earth-65 censored comic should look like. And it's so caught up in Gwen going back. Like we've had three different takes on the, should Gwen go back to Earth-616 and stay there full time? Or should it be on Earth-65? From like three different writers all contradictory if you consider their canonicity. Like, they, they contradict each other. The timelines don't make sense. And also, it just doesn't make Like, nobody is going to move reality because it's inconvenient, right? Like, nobody's going to, like, leave behind their home reality because the commute was too long. Like, that's not a, that's not a, that's not an issue. That's not a dilemma, right? Like, I don't, yeah, the only reason why Gwen stayed on 616 indefinitely in the first place was because she was kicked out. Yeah, she swings through city buildings and uses interdimensional portals to travel. The commute is not the issue for Gwen. It's the supervillains trying to kill her and her family. Like, like I, I, that, it was such a weird thing to fixate on. If I was a spider character and I had all these issues getting about New York and I had all these things to worry about and all these things to juggle, you know, the one thing I would not be worried about is the commuting. I'd be like, I am fine. I am never getting stuck in traffic. I am never going to have to worry about missing the New York metro or whatever because I can swing through the city. I can sling webs. I can, I, 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 I it's not an it. That's not a thing I'm worried about. Like, I'm not going to be late on account of my ability to physically get to a place. But this comic spends, like, at least, like, multiple... Well, it's not got pages, but it's got a lot of content about Gwen worrying about her commute and having to get through the city and all of this. And, like, that, like it's her time management. Like, it, the issue is not her ability to commute. And and I just... Like, and also, the, 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 it brings back the web watch, even though the web watch was very prominently destroyed. And a big thing about Gwen is that she's been using the weird necklace thing. And that's I know it's a small visual detail, but I really feel like yeah. not having the visual continuity there with this character, just... Like, I just... I'm going to drink some water. <laughs> yeah, it kind of makes the whole Ticket to the Multiverse redundant if she also has her web watch. Because both yeah. of them do the same thing. It's just that the only difference is that the ticket responds to her DNA only. Yeah. And I just, I, I, I don't know where where their heads were at with this. And I I, I really, I just, I the, the art's nice. But like... Like, I just, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry, I, I, we should probably talk about the art at some point, but like... Yeah, we can talk about it right now. Yeah, why don't we? Because because uh, we have we have really nice art from, um, we've actually, been, we've been following this artist's Twitter. Nathan Stockman has drawn what I feel are lots of really nice, like, Spider-Gwen poses and panels, like, 
there's a really good feel for Gwen's expressions and Gwen's mannerisms and Gwen's sort of like Gwen reacting to anything in this is is so meme worthy in the sense that it looks like funny and like you get the ex- you get the impression of what she's feeling immediately. She looks good. It doesn't look like she's wearing lenses. Like it looks like her mask has just got like the painted on lenses. Like Gwen looks good. Like this is a good looking like like if you enjoy like the, the that kind of like punchy hoodie wearing like like the spider gwen look right which she has like she should have really typically um she really comes through in this art and and i feel like nathan stockman put a lot of effort into into making sure that there was a really nice visual look to the way that gwen swings her punches like she doesn't look like a reskinned spider-man or anything or or spider-woman she looks very good in this, and I was I I found it a very pleasant comic to just just scroll through, um, which uh, I suppose that that is what it was intended for. Yeah, Nathan Stockman really actually does have a knack for the Spider Verse because this isn't his first time on a Spider book. Uh, I followed him back when he used to be a guest artist on Renew Your Vows. Uh, that was the uh, Jerry Conway, Ryan Stegman, and Jody Hauser run. Oh wow. Yeah, he's got a knack for drawing spiders and he also I think uh he was also on a Spider-Man book prior to Renewery Vows. Uh, I'm just trying to remember what the name of Oh, it was just simply Spidey and uh yeah, it's the Robbie Thompson book. Yeah, I've heard Yeah, like I just I I feel like this like if this artist showed up in another place doing Spider-Gwen, I would be excited. Like I feel I, I thought this was a this was a really good, um, like and also like it a, a like like a way of like almost like a family friendly Spider Gwen, but still felt like Spider Gwen. Um, I I really enjoyed if that makes sense. Um, yeah, all that's missing is the cussing, but I don't think there's a place for her to cuss here. Not really. No, I think. Uh, no, when she walked in and and what's basically narnia i think she could have cussed yeah no i i thought they they may, maybe they could have but i don't think they are going like the format of of these um stories they've been doing has stuck out to me as like it it is all family friendly they want like a kid to be able to get a Marvel Unlimited subscription for them to be able to read without like worrying about like parental reaction or anything like that, you know? Yeah, which is only Marvel Unlimited nine ninety nine USD per month. Or say fifty percent when you sign up for a first year annual. Like we're not being endorsed by Marvel to say this, but I just feel compelled. Honestly, I would I would say that like Marvel Unlimited, and, and we've said it before a lot on the podcast, but like for those who haven't heard it, which may just be the voices in my head, like Marvel Unlimited is the cheapest way to read all of the comics that we talk about on here legally. And, you know, it's it's probably handy to have a subscription reading as generally anyway, but like highlighted more so 
by the fact that this is actually the only place you can get this comic. I, I hadn't had one in a, in a little while, actually. Um, I, I hadn't been reading as many digital comics, and um, I, you know, I had to sort of refine one for this issue, uh, this issue, this episode, even, so that I could make sure that I had read everything. And, um, yeah, but I feel like you're gonna have to uh, get it back again when and if they make another Gwen arc. Chances are, it's probably gonna be as silly as this one, but. Maybe silly in the good way. Well, the thing is, all the Bodega Bandit stuff has been silly. Just, just it has proper heart, and I just, I don't know if the heart is there with this. I feel like this was like all on the gimmick, and none of it really remembered to do. Like it just, it sort of crushed me to see them be like, "Oh, the Bodega Bandit is this magical thing." Like that, that I want to be absolutely clear here. Writing an arc of a Spidey story, which was actually like, ah, yes, the person holding up the Bodega is like part of some kind of righteous cause is shocking like i i'm i'm i go into a lot of this stuff expecting propaganda or some like problematic things which can come up but being like the person holding up the store has a point is so strange to me and i just i do not know what possessed them with this i i don't know it's so weird and what did you think when we saw all of these other bodega bandit variants in the beyond store because was was the girl one supposed to be she bodega bandit and i even see there's a symbiote there's a couple of dinosaurs yeah it's a lot to pass through and i just i don't know if they know necessarily i i i I, i'm i'm really like thrown by a lot of this it's um i just i i'm like it just just how far they missed uh on it is is a shame i think i think in hindsight this kind of sort of kind of explains uh the bodega bandit family on earth 8 yeah it would do which 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 is fun there's a fun family that but yeah it's just like um hyping up the bodega bandit like this to be a threat like a legit threat. It kind of reminds me of that one episode of Danny Phantom where uh one of the ghosts in his rogues gallery is the box ghost and he's pretty much um the bodega bandit in that he's a nuisance, but there's this one episode where he became a legit threat after he stole Pandora's box. Oh wow. Um yeah, but I mean the thing the thing is, right, I, I think it would be interesting if they did do like, oh the Bodega Bandit suddenly has unlimited power or something like that. I think that would be fun. But but it wasn't like that. They were like, oh, oh, the Bodega Bandit always had this power. That's what threw me the most, more than anything. The Bodega Bandit always had this power. And that's so strange, right? Like it's so weird. You think he could have used this power to avoid getting hurt in party people? Yeah, like, like, like now you can go back and read every Bodega Bandit story and say, well, you could have gotten yourself out of this one, um, <laughs> but didn't. We prefer him as the plain Jane. For real? Uh, no, I, I, I really, I don't know wh- where their heads were at. Because yeah, that's his appeal. Definitely. And what was the original point that we were trying to make before you went on that long-winded rant? I I, I can't remember. It's I, I, I think whether or not if this is canon. Yeah, I I I I don't think that this um story well re- like well reflects the canonicity of 
the Spider-Gwen comics that we've read. That said, canon, what is canon, what isn't canon is fully decided by whoever is writing. Um, whoever decides to include the Bodega Bandit in their Spider-Gwen story next will have a strong bearing on whether or not this story is seen as canon going forward. So we have that to look forward to. We're going we're gonna to find out, but, but my guess is that I, I and I don't imagine that Emily Kim is going to introduce the Bodega Bandit as some sort of like secondary Earth sixty five superhero in Shadow Clones. I imagine if she shows him at all, that he's gonna be in a minor role again, sort of you know as somebody holding up a Bodega for Gwen to stop. You know, I think that's where he's gonna live. Because all we got in Gwenverse was the introduction of she Bodega Bandit, and it's actually implied that Gwen's fought her a few times because there was a little line where she said that she stops the she Bodega Bandit from ruining the buffet at least once a week. Yeah, no, I honestly I felt like the she Bodega Bandit's appearance um, previously sort of complemented this one unintentionally. Yeah, I'm not sure if she was supposed to be that girl who was in the uh, Bodega Beyond. Yeah, it may just be a coincidence because I feel like, you know, they could give anybody that look. She had the same outfit, too. Yeah. Same haircut. Yeah. No, you're right. But, (laughs) yeah. um, But I kind of find it silly how they, quote unquote, defeat him with the power of love. Um, Yeah, I, I, I... I, it also didn't strike to me as loving. Like, I appreciate they were hugging him, but they were sort of doing it forcibly. Um, That's which, dogpiling. And then they were like, well, if he doesn't come round now, we'll just trap him there. And I was like, okay, well, you know, that's that's a lot. And and they, they didn't have to do all of the things they they were doing. I, I don't know, like, I, I don't know how you would deal with this, but, like, also the reveal, like, also his power level seemed to have scaled a lot higher than that of the other Bodega Bandits, which which had me confused, right? Like, if he's all getting hugged by them, like, can't he just do something? I, I don't know, like, I don't... No, because he draws his power from fear, and uh, they're not afraid of him. Not at all, and, and yeah, it, just, it, was, it was a little bit strange. But yeah, don't you think that, um... When what was your first thought when you saw Bodega Beyond? Yeah, I mean it was a funny concept, but like it's just it's not like it doesn't make sense, really. It just it doesn't like there's already so many different ways to get around the multiverse for them to start doing this. <laughs> I think this is their way of doing a council of whatever's. It did it did feel very councilly, you know, it just yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because each bodega bandit is assigned their designated Earth to go cause mischief. Yeah. And then we have 616 bodega bandit breaking the rules. Yeah, we do. Well, is he originally from 616? Well, that's what the comic implies, because that was his designated Earth. Um, Yeah, no, it, 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 yeah, that was the, that was where he was from. Um... Yeah, no, I, I just, uh, I, I don't know where the heads were at with, yeah, I, I feel like they should have clarified on that. I don't, I don't even, even if the, if they know. Because, yeah, if a Bodega Bandit 616 has been there a while, um, like, why hasn't he run into Peter? Or Miles, even? Yeah, no, that, that, that was, it was weird. 
And also, like, he is aware of Gwen, he knows about Gwen, and he's trying to mess with Gwen, but, like, why? If he's never met her, it just, like, it didn't really make a lot of sense. Well, I think that's the thing with uh, the uh, Spider-Verse Unlimited stories. Because of its anthology style, it's very, very low stakes. Mm -hmm. No, it felt it. Um, But, like, the stakes that were there just didn't feel justified by what was going on. And, yeah, no, I just, it was a strange one. It was a really strange one. Well, maybe in Jay Holtham's case, probably just wanted to uh, highlight a character who he feels might have been underutilized and not really appreciated. I just, I, I feel like the Bodega Bandits in a lot of stuff. Like, I don't, I like, like just talking about how much he has appeared and how much alternate versions of him have already appeared, and then being like, you know, I just, I don't, I don't see him as a like unsung character. He's very sung, you know, like he's. He's in a lot, and and I just it's 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 so weird to think of him being like I just know it's like it's like they feel like they needed to elaborate on him in this way. Like I don't think he ever really needed a a, a backstory particularly like this. Um, I think they could have gotten away without ever doing it. You know. Well, his backstory, albeit short, was somewhat. Uh, revealed in Gwenum. Yeah. And even in the uh, final issue of the Latour run, there's a handbook entry for the Bodega Bandit. Yeah, like they've they have clarified enough on him that like I don't think they needed to do any of this, you know, at the end of the day and it's Yeah, the handbook entry. Oh, hold on. I'm going to go get my omnibus. Nice. So yeah, it says real name unconfirmed. Occupation, Bandit of Bodegas. Legal status, unconfirmed. Place of birth, unconfirmed. Marital status, unconfirmed. And uh, yeah, all of his possible relatives that are only listed here are Bento Bandit, which is, I think, the one that was seen in Madripoor. Mm. Oh, there's a few uh, others. The Barbecue Bandit. Mm-hmm. Burger Bandit. Oh, goodness. Burrito Bandito. I like that one. And then we get to the pets. Pinecone, the hamster, and then Bandito, the pet dog that was unfortunately eaten by Dr. Connors. That's brutal. I just... Yeah, no, I feel... What does it say about his, like... Does it have a little bio for him? Oh, yeah, but before I move on to that, uh, it says group affiliation is bunch of bandits and forgettable foes of Spider-Gwen. That's funny. I just like he's not he's not meant to be like I just I, I guess if he is elaborated on not not in this way like yeah I, I don't know. But his uh, bio although it says speculative history because we don't know his actual backstory until now despite it not like canonicity's up in the air at this point. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, so it says speculative history. Little is known about the true origins and motivations of the man known as the Bodega Bandit. So little, in fact, that at this point, even if we were to watch the truth of his life unfold with our very eyes, it would likely still be impossible to separate fact from urban myth. Yeah. What we can prove is that the bandit's modus operandi revolves around his fascination and seemingly steadfast devotion to robbing bodegas or convenience stores, or fast food restaurants, or newsstands for their cheap food. 
blah 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 there was a speculation that this um that he could have been john jameson before this was disproved during impossible year yeah i don't know i i just um yeah no i i i think the idea that he has a rich like family or something and and he's you know he's got some kind of kleptomaniac addiction to violently stealing fast food oh yeah there's this one uh sentence here that said one such clerk has claimed on record that after each robbery the bandit's rich father repays the clerk for his products the bandit has stolen paying the worth of the stolen goods several times over in exchange for the clerk's continued cooperation yeah that's yeah it like i feel like those kind of hints really sort of landed well and just kind of thrown them all away yeah i felt like uh yeah, Bodega Bandit should have just remained the plain Jane, because that's what makes him appealing. Definitely. But um, is that pretty much all we have to say about Tale of Two Cities? Just because, well, you covered most of it when you went on that rant about um, the absurdity of the story. I'm sorry, the, uh, the, the spirit of the um podcast ranter entered into me uh I, there are thousands of us in the podcast ranter beyond um and we we you know we each have a podcast that we just ran into um and that's, that's what it is but what's our portal to narnia because they've got the cooler um it's it's a discord server that's what it is <laughs> uh <laughs> we join a discord server. so instead of the wardrobe or a cooler yeah, we just got, we just got a server. Yeah, basically. But uh, anyway, like, um, is um, is it time for concluding thoughts, or did we pretty much cover everything that also included concluding thoughts? Um, I don't have anything else to say. I don't think. Um, other than um, no, no, that's it. That's it for me. <laughs> yeah, I think my only final opinion was that like this was fun, like um for an anthology style book yeah it was definitely fun i had i had i had i had a fun time going over it and discussing it i don't know if yeah i, f- I feel like they, they definitely made decisions with the story that, that impacted it in some ways yeah let's just say it was one of the most um arcs out there yeah definitely but uh yeah anyway uh yeah for the next episode um, yeah, we're finally going to be reading Spider-Man number five, which is actually going to be released yeah, next week, actually, like by the time this episode drops. Yes. Um, so that would, it's not the end of that arc, but we're getting there now. Yeah. Three more issues to go. Just five, six and seven. There we go then. And it turns out that the solicit for number seven, which also came out the same time as Shadow Clones number two, they gave the dagger a name. Oh right, interesting. Yeah, it's called the Sting Knife. Oh, that's worse. They should have. Oh, they shouldn't have done that. Okay, never mind. I take it back. Like, would you have preferred Totem Dagger over the Sting Knife? Totem Dagger makes sense. I'm sorry. Yeah, if you want to pick at Sting Knife, it seems like um, if the spiders aren't able to um, able to be affected by a sting, then they get the knife. Yeah. I don't know. That's just a connection I'm making for that name. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, anyway, next week, uh, well, next episode, rather, Spider-Man number five. So we're going to put links in the description of where to buy and read it. And, uh, well, Tale of Two Cities is available on Marvel Unlimited, obviously. Yes. 
if you had any questions or thoughts on the show, you can email us ghostspidergroupies at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at gsgroupies. And we also have a Kofi page if you want to chuck in a few bucks to uh, support us. That would be great. Yes, please. But yeah, anyway, uh, thanks everyone for listening. I've been Abigail. And I've been Pax. All right. Bye. Bye.